0: This past week, we lost a hero and a legend. Chadwick Boseman, best known for playing T'Challa in the groundbreaking Marvel movie Black Panther, passed away from colon cancer at the age of 43. Chadwick wasn't just a superhero on screen, he was a superhero off screen too, dedicating the past few years to visiting kids with cancer while he was fighting his own battle. While he lived and died a king, Chadwick Boseman breathed new life into black icons for a new generation by starring as Jackie Robinson in 42, James Brown in Get On Up, and Thurgood Marshall in Marshall. Geek Prime would like to extend our condolences to Chadwick's family and the community of fans and followers that are grieving his passing. And now, on with the show. DC Comics and Warner Brothers held their first ever fandom event and it was action-packed with new trailers, first looks, announcements, and celebrity-filled panels. So just in case you missed it or if you want to continue geeking out with us, we are gonna take you through all of the highlights from this virtual fan event.
1: I've gotta say, hats off to DC on this event. We've seen a couple of virtual Comic Cons so far, and this one did a really good job not looking like a Zoom call yeah. or some virtual table read. Uh, and just with like the the stage that they had, or the the virtual stage that they had, mm-hmm. and the way they keyed people in, like when they introduced like all the different languages that they were going to be broadcasting it in, it, they made it they made it almost seem like everybody was in the same space. Um, it just it felt more more conventiony than we've come to yeah. expect from you know, COVID era conventions. Uh, and it could be something, I mean, it might be a little late, but it could be something for other cons like New York Comic-Con's metaverse next month to kind of take a page from if they, if they can. Yeah. Um, And if not, you know, I mean, we might be in this in into next year. So maybe, maybe if, uh, if cons get held early next year, like Emerald City's dates, you know, this could be a way to go for them. I mean, hopefully... Hopefully we're out of this soon, but, you know, they at least adapted to the medium, I think.
0: I but. agree. I, I totally agree. Yeah, so let's just jump right into it with, um, at least for me, probably the the biggest event of, of DC fandom. And that was the brand new trailer and panel um, for Wonder Woman 1984. So we got our first look at Kristen Wiig as Cheetah in her full cheetah get up. Um, now cheetahness. Yes. (laughs) Um, now I'm admittedly one of those fans that was going to love this movie no matter what. So I am Mm -hmm. going to put that disclaimer out there for anything I say. Um, I was going to love this movie, even if it was a bunch of like stick figures in a shoebox. Like, And you know
1: what? That's fine. We're all, we're all fans first of something, you know,
0: So I had absolutely no issues with the trailer, just a whole lot of excitement. But I did see some chatter on the internet because I don't know if you know this, I'm the one that's responding and looking at all of your comments and, um, and, and, and looking at, um, you know, just kind of what's going on, keeping a pulse on what's going on out there and what you guys are saying. So I did see some chatter on the internet about Cheetah's appearance in that fight scene where we really see her again in her full, um, Cheetah getup. Um, and some people think that she looks like the big screen, um, live action adaptation of Cats.
1: Oof. Ooh. Yeah. That's a little rough.
0: That is that is harsh. Um, I see where you're coming from. I did see some, like, CGI-ness that, you know, they kind of, when they, you know, in previous interviews and stuff, when they were talking about what Cheetah looks like, they said they promised a lot of practical effects. So they said that there's going to be just like lots of makeup and other, you know, wardrobe and stuff and other practical effects. That's going to make her look like the character cheetah. And, it and they, but they didn't, they didn't say they weren't going to mix it with digital effects. It just
1: yeah sounded
0: like that there were, there wasn't going to be that much digital involved. So I guess, um, it's still a little too much digital for some people. Um, for me, I, honestly, I guess I just expect superhero movies to be heavy on the digital effects. And the first movie that comes to mind where I was just so hyper aware of the digital effects, I mean, obviously there was the first um, Iron Man, which we've rewatched a couple of times. Um, I mean, there are excellent digital effects and it's it's a lot easier to do, a, you know, metal bodysuit in in digital as opposed to fur. I think that's a little mm-hmm. trickier, and, and yeah, no one's really yeah. nailed it. Um, but you don't want it
1: to look too too Lion King. Yeah,
0: exactly, exactly. Oh, I well, I I like that movie too, but that's a different podcast. Yeah, but
1: on on people, it's not gonna.
0: Yeah, I'm a
1: big practical effects guy, and um, uh, but I do appreciate when they make the digital effects look really good, like. Uh, like you said, with Iron Man or Spider-Man, uh, the way they did Aaron Eckhart as Two-Face in, uh, in uh, the Christopher Nolan Batman. Yeah.
0: So, so yeah, I mean, but also, again, just to bring it back to the, the point that I was trying to make, if you look at the early Marvel movies, uh, like, you know, the, the Iron Man's Captain America, the, the you know, Thor, even, like, the first Avengers movie, it was, you know, digital effects galore like you know and
1: yeah yeah
0: and and so I just kind of expect every superhero movie to look like that and I don't think that there's any problem with that I think it's hard to make a woman look like a cheetah um and do it convincingly there's it's so you know I I have the kind of imagination that that can can I guess process Kristen Wig as Cheetah, but um, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see when the you yeah know,
1: when the and movie comes out. I felt like there was a very um, uh, Michelle Pfeiffer in Batman Returns vibe to her. The Michelle Pfeiffer's take on Catwoman, uh, Kristen Wig seemed to be kind of taking a little bit of that, whether consciously or unconsciously, for Cheetah, which isn't necessarily you know a bad thing. It's uh it's it's just it's a tough character to represent on screen um because she's supposed to take the form of a cheetah you know but still like will take some of the form of a cheetah while still in mostly the body of a woman so it's it's a very weird it's very easy to draw um and it's easier to explain why she doesn't carry around a you know a a costume everywhere she just you know looks like that she transforms into that um uh, but yeah it's just it's just a weird thing to translate on screen and honestly kudos for them for uh for trying it um uh cheetah goes back to some of wonder woman's oldest comics she was actually so this is this is a this is a fun little fact because i know that you back in college wrote a paper on wonder woman so you know all about the creator of wonder woman and how she was kind of created by, um, uh, by, um, was he a sociologist, I think, um, psychologist. Psychologist. Okay. So, um, so Wonder Woman's always had this like underpinning of psychological science behind her. And Cheetah is no different. She was created not by the, the, not by the, the creator of Wonder Woman, but by a different, uh, psychologist who, um, uh, and wrote for DC, I guess in, in the, uh, in the golden age. And so he created cheetah as this representation of what were called the maladjusted emotions, like jealousy and things like that. And kind of, she intrinsically inherently needed wonder woman as a counterbalance as like a kind of like yin and yang kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. that's why, so she was kind of like the split off, um, like bad emotions that need the balance of the good emotions, and so it's was, it was very interesting. But that's not the the cheetah that we're going to be seeing in the movie. This is going to be uh, Barbara Ann Minerva. She's the third version of cheetah uh, because you know uh, most uh, most villains and even some heroes. You know, there's a there's you know a couple versions of them uh, as the as the years go by, and so this one uh, was an archaeologist from England. Um, and she is, uh, on this archeological hunt in Africa and she comes across this, this murdered, uh, cheetah spirit guardian, uh, and she's promised immortality if she takes the place of this murdered guardian and she just hears the immortality part. She doesn't care about the rest. And, um, and so she doesn't realize that she's going to take the form of a cheetah, um, and so she you know she gets this this kind of curse uh going on and becomes obsessed with wonder woman's lasso of truth and for a long time tries to that that's a big plot point between the two of them is is cheetah trying to get the lasso of truth away from wonder woman so there's uh that is very likely the jealousy and And anger is, you know, we saw in the in the trailer kind of seem to be Cheetah's driving emotions in the in the trailer. So you can see that she's a pretty, pretty faithful representation of the character on the screen.
0: Yeah. And but, you know, just despite all that, despite this this yin and yang and this good versus evil and this, you know, fighting for truth and versus, you know, this maladjusted sort of quote unquote woman, um, you know, what we learned from the panel is that that gal and uh and Kristen Kristen, yeah, actually yeah. Were, you know became quite good friends working yeah. together and were constantly cracking each other up and i think one of my favorite stories that they told was uh was that they were doing a stunt scene together and um i believe it was uh gal was supposed to make some sort of move on Cheetah but her gauntlet accidentally gets stuck on Kristen oh, yes. Wig wig um, <laughs> and she like basically yanks the wig right off yeah. and they just like ended up laughing for like a really long time so i was like i really liked seeing again they did DC fandom did such a great job making us feel like we were at an actual convention and i really loved you know seeing the cast interact with each other and and laugh with each other. And, and I, it just made me that much more excited to see, see it on the big screen. But yeah.
1: And taking uh, the fan questions was really cool too. It, it it was almost like when you're in the, when you're in the main hall and you know, they tell people, all right, if you could just line up at the microphones and they put you on the screen, uh, and the, and you know, the actors or the producer or whatever respond to you, they, it almost, it almost felt like
0: that. I mean, Gal responding to every picture of every Wonder Woman cosplay.
1: That yeah, that sh- was great. That was, that was
0: incredible. Great. That was so incredible. Um but let's talk about, you know, on on the more newsworthy side. We also got um a little more information about Max Lord. Oh,
1: uh, so I was super excited for Max Lord because I was a huge uh, Justice League International fan when i was a kid um mostly because it it had booster gold in it and i just loved like batman was my favorite superhero but booster gold was just oh so good and justice league international was one of the first books to really play up the comedy um and and really like especially among a group of superheroes kind of like uh, like its founding thing was about you know how superheroes are when they're just talking amongst each other and not you know being righteous and standing in front of the public and all that. Um, and so Max Lord is kind of introduced as a shadowy figure who, um, for reasons unknown in the beginning, kind of creates the Ju- Justice League International because the Justice League of America has disbanded at this point. It's post mm-hmm. uh, uh, Infinite Crisis on Infinite Earth, um, and so. He, you find out that he's being controlled by someone who's trying to recreate the JLA, but then he ends up um, just kind of being like this uh, this slick Gordon Gecko type of guy from the eighties, um, very like uh, or like Gene Hackman's uh, Lex Luthor from the uh, Richard Donner Superman movies. Um, and he over he goes through a bit of a a bit of an evolution uh, during the invasion storyline in the nineties he gets a superpower where he's able to control people's minds, but it takes a lot of effort and like he'll like get nosebleeds and stuff. But he is even able to control Superman's mind, which eventually gives him his most meaningful and one of his only encounters with Wonder Woman in the comic books.
0: So tell me a little bit more about that.
1: So it's not until the 2000s that Max and Wonder Woman meaningfully interact. Uh, and so a few spoilers about infinite crisis, but you know, this is 15 years ago. So you guys have had time to read it. Um, max Lord murders blue beetle. And that ends up lead that series of events that that kicks off lead to infinite crisis. So after infinite crisis is over, max takes control of Superman's mind, uh, and is just, you know, using him as a weapon, basically, uh, Wonder Woman finds Max Lord and he tells her the only way you can stop me from using Superman to do whatever I want is to kill me. Um, And, you know, as a, you know, as a comic book fan, you're like, oh, well, she's not going to do that. And she just snaps his neck. Uh, And so it's something that like Max Lord has always been portrayed as being, you know, step or two ahead of everybody else. And he's a step ahead of Wonder Woman in this because he's been recording this. And once he's killed, the footage is broadcast through a satellite that he had taken over that Batman designed, uh, and broadcast across the world of wonder woman murdering Max Lord. And it creates this huge rift between wonder woman and Superman and Batman. And it just, it causes a whole fallout that lasts for years in, uh, in the DC comics. Uh, so it's, it's very, he's a very interesting character. Um, I mean, that, so that storyline is clearly not what's going to happen in the movie, but if you want to get a feel for Max Lord, uh, definitely check out uh, the Justice League International run from the late 80s. Uh, Pedro Pascal looks like he, I mean, I haven't seen him do a bad job in anything yet, but he looks like he's going to be a really, really good Max Lord, and I'm just very excited for this for him to portray kind of this like this slick guy who is manipulating mm-hmm. the heroes and the villains. Um and and personally, he is the closest link in the chain that I have been praying will eventually lead us to a Booster Gold movie that I would pay real cold hard money to watch multiple times. I'm just I'm just throwing it out there DC if you want someone to write a Booster Gold movie, I will I will do it. <laughs> I love Booster Gold. That's the end of my plug. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Well, DC, if you're listening, uh, you've got one volunteer for a Booster Gold movie. Um, so moving on to Black Adam and then Shazam. But let's start off.
1: connected. With-
0: Yes, let's start off with Black Adam. I'm a little confused. I just in full transparency, I've always been a little confused by this one. There's been a lot of talk, uh, not a lot of movement on the Black Adam movie, and I'm still not hundred percent sure why they're even making it. Um, I don't think we got that much more information about this movie coming out of d c fandom. So care to explain
1: yeah. so so, yeah, so you're right. We didn't get a whole lot of new information. It, the tr- the quote unquote trailer is essentially the rock reading a script over a bunch of concept art. Uh, so that was a little bit disappointing. Um, we didn't get to, I was hoping we'd get to see the rock in the, in the black Adam suit, you know, conjuring the lightning, all that stuff. Um, but I don't know if maybe they haven't started filming yet. Um, but I'm, I'm actually pretty excited for this movie. So black Adam is, uh, like, like, Shazam as he's called in the movie or Captain Marvel as he is in the comics is a little more uh obscure of uh of a character for DC. So um Black Adam was originally when uh they were when they were first developing Shazam uh The Rock was going to play Black Adam as the bad guy in Shazam. <clears throat>
0: Which would have been incredible.
1: Yeah. And, but the thing was, and that would have, you know, that would have made total sense because Black Adam is one of Captain Marvel slash Shazam's biggest enemies. But the studio realized number one, if we make a movie with The Rock in it, just The Rock, we're going to make a ton of money. And we can then do this whole Black Adam versus Shazam later. They, they decided to break it out and instead have Dr. Savannah, who was the bad guy in, in Shazam be the main baddie. Uh, And it, I mean, it worked out. Dr. Savannah is a clearly established villain in, in the captain Marvel Shazam world. But basically black Adam is an ancient version of Zachary Levi's character. So just like Asher angel slash Zachary Levi, when he's, in his superhero form, was chosen by the wizard uh, Black Adam, who whose name is Teth Adam, was chosen in ancient times, and he was, you know, supposed to be a hero, just like just like Zachary Levi's superhero is. The problem was, uh, he had grown up in this brutish ancient world that was just, you know. It was kind of a killer be killed thing. And he started to act not so superhero y and ended up uh, stealing some of the wizard's power to keep for himself. And he's been in the in I think what what we're gonna see when we finally see him with Zachary Levi is that he's been locked away for a long time. Um, either physically like underground like uh, like Apocalypse was in X-Men or isolated in this in this remote kingdom that he's been ruling over for thousands of years. It could go either way. And it's it has in the comics. Um, so so that that's going to be the Black Adam movie. It's going to be very cool. I'm excited to get more news about it. As we get more news about it, we are going to we're going to analyze that.
0: Yeah, so speaking of Zachary Levi and Shazam, we actually got some news about the sequel to the movie, right?
1: Yes, we now have a name. It's Shazam Two: Fury of the Gods. So, the gods are angry. We don't know why, but uh, but it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. That was Shazam was definitely one of the one of the most fun. DC movies uh, that I think they've ever made.
0: Oh, 100%. I think Shazam really revitalized and rehabilitated a a DC cinematic universe that was not doing so well, um, that had a couple duds and and made a couple missteps. And I think Shazam gave people what they expect and what they need and crave from superhero movies. It was lighthearted. It was family friendly. It had really wholesome values that were reflected. I mean, like you know, every minute of that movie. I I adore that movie, Shazam. I think it's really underrated. I recommend it to everyone. Before I recommend that they watch Suicide Squad Justice League like the only thing that I would recommend over Shazam is is Wonder Woman um mm-hmm. like the original Wonder Mo- Woman movie but like I recommend it to everybody as like you know if you want to see the best of what DC can do and and what the best of what DC has done you know m- big screen wise lately, I think Shazam was it. It was yeah. just it, superb casting, an incredible story. And it's, a, it's an obscure hero, but it's the hero we needed. And it's the story that we needed.
1: Yes. Yes. And, and I will say, I do think the gods might be angry because it might have something to do with Billy giving his adopted siblings, their powers at the end of, uh, at the end of the first movie. So that might be uh why, the gods are mad. And the panel itself was very fun. It was very in keeping with the whole feel of Shazam as the whole Shazam vibe. Uh so the comedian Simbad showed up. And there was there was at first um when he showed up, there was a lot of speculation. Like, is Simbad gonna be in Shazam too? Uh, but I think uh just from the context of the panel, I think it was more of a joke.
0: So I wouldn't count Sinbad out just yet because during DC fandom, they did release this quote unquote unofficial poster. It looks like it was like hand drawn in like marker and, and like yeah, yeah. It's crayon. the one that, uh,
1: that one of the, one of their co-stars, uh, held up during the, uh, during the panel.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, it's a, it's a, fake poster for um Shazam Fury of the Gods and Sinbad is in the poster. He is oh, okay. front and center. All right.
1: Well in the we'll middle see.
0: in the middle of Zachary Levi's chest. So <laughs> I mean it could again, it could just be them keeping a joke going. Um in which case that's hilarious.
1: I think it was just again DC doing a really good job at this virtual con by just like having these little like funny things and funny moments. Cause you can have like surprise guests like that without having to book someone and fly them all the way in. You just say, Hey, Simba, Can you pop your camera on for a minute? And just like, riff with the with Zachary Levi a bit, and, you know, he apparently was game for it.
0: Let's move on to Suicide Squad. So the full cast of the Suicide Squad was revealed in a teaser trailer that was pretty much an homage to James Gunn and his genius. So some of the cast is not a surprise. It seems like James Gunn has a roster of favorite actors that he likes to work with.
1: For sure.
0: The previews showcase tons of stunt work for Harley, which I am super psyched about. And James Gunn himself calls it, quote, by far the biggest movie I've ever made. So suffice it to say, I am so pumped for the new Suicide Squad.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting because this movie, according to Peter Safran, the producer, is going to have this this 70s war movie vibe, apparently, which is, which is a little different for a movie that takes place in a superhero kind of universe, even for an anti-hero movie.
0: Yeah, but if you look at why he said it has this sort of retro um war vibe it's actually because he said he was inspired by the 1967 war film the dirty dozen
1: which is essentially a suicide squad in real life
0: exactly so it does make sense so i kind of love that i love that sort of drawing on um historical film
1: yeah yeah and as far as we know this is going to be essentially a sequel they're not erasing the first suicide squad movie they're just kind of doing a reset uh and idris elba i know there's a lot of a lot of speculation that oh, Idris Elba is going to play Deadshot, uh, and he was originally in talks to play Deadshot, but then they changed him to Bloodsport so that you know Will Smith could come back at some point. So for whatever reason, a lot of the a lot of the characters from the first movie have been killed, moved on, whatever. Uh, and so we have this whole new new roster of Suicide Squad members. So, like I said, Idris Elba is going to be Bloodsport. Uh, John Cena is going to be a character named Peacemaker that he awesomely described as a douchey Captain America. And that's kind of the direction that James Gunn gave him. And uh, I mean, it's not wrong, but uh, it's just, it's very, it's going to be very funny to see that. Nathan Fillion is going to be TDK. And this is kind of like a rename. For the character, that's his his real life nickname. the the character's alter ego's nickname. Uh, his his supervillain nickname is Arm Fall Off Boy, which sounds like <laughs> a really bad translation of like a long like single German word. You know,
0: <laughs> good choice. Good choice but renaming. <laughs> it's it's very
1: very literal, and someone kind of just. I think I feel like phoned it in at DC back in the day because his arm—he can literally take his arms off and use them as weapons. I so think that's somebody be, probably thought it was funny. Yes, so that's going to be interesting to see in Suicide Squad. Uh, Pete Davidson is going to play Blackguard, who was uh, a member of the Thousand in the '80s, and another connection to Booster Gold. He was the the first person that Booster Gold fought in his his comics in the eighties.
0: That's gonna be that's gonna be the DC version of Endgame is just booster,
1: booster gold. Booster Gold. Oh my oh. god. <laughs> that would just be the best. I I I clearly can't contain myself. They're
0: putting all the pieces in play. They
1: really are. They really <laughs> are. Um so then moving on, um Michael Rooker is gonna be in it, because of course Michael Rooker. Um He's going to be savant. So in the comics, savant is this heir to a fortune who uh, wants to be a vigilante. So he moves from, I believe it's Russia, to Gotham and kind of is dissuaded by Batman uh, from being a vigilante because he just does not care about collateral damage or other people. Uh, so then his his fallback for, after being a vigilante is is to use his hacking skills to blackmail people. Um, and it, he's interesting cause he has a nonlinear memory. And so when he, uh, at one point when he's being tortured, that like kind of saves him because the information can't be extracted out of him because his, his memory isn't, isn't like beginning, middle end. It's like all jumbled up. It's weird. Uh, he's a very weird character. I'm expecting Rooker to be very weird. I'm excited for that. um, and, uh, and we still don't know who uh, Taika Waititi is playing. I don't care who Taika Waititi plays. I know. I just want some Taika Waititi. I know.
0: I just he love is him. He
1: hilarious. What I would love is if, um, if he played his character from Green Lantern, oh. Hal Jordan's uh, buddy from, from, the, uh, from the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern. I think that would be great. I mean um, he, I mean it doesn't make sense because it's suicide squad so unless like cuz he was a computer expert so maybe if they if they uh maybe like Amanda Waller got him to work for Argus or something I don't know but we'll see
0: So the movie that everyone's been waiting for, the the movie that's gotten all the hype um, and all the chatter online is... Some
1: good, some bad.
0: Yes, good or bad, uh, is The Batman. So just jump right into it. We got to see the first trailer, and the internet was on fire that day.
1: Yes, so we got to see Robert Pattinson as the Cape Crusader. We got to see him as Bruce Wayne. I'm I'm not totally sold, especially like because you can hide a lot in the suit, like like the suit really makes the bat in uh, in Batman movies. But seeing him as just Bruce Wayne, I mean, it was just like it was a little weird. Like he had the like longer hair. Um, He looked very for lack of a better way of saying this, he looked very Robert Pattinson. Like it was tough for me to see Bruce Wayne.
0: So I'm going to, you know, take the 20,000 foot view of this. And I think, you know, it's really ballsy for DC to reintroduce um, a Batman to us. I think one, the timing of it is a little weird. Um, yeah.
1: With, with Batfleck just recently. Yeah. And yeah. Not totally. We'll talk about in a little bit, not totally retired.
0: Yeah. So there's, there's Batfleck that was, that I honestly think is still fairly recent to me. Very. Um, and, and also it's, it's just so difficult because this is a character that has been interpreted multiple times on multiple screens across multiple generations. Yeah. So there's like, there's just honestly a lot of baggage attached yep. to Batman that I think, I think we need some space. I think, you know, coming off the heels of a, an already reinvented Batman, which would be that Zack Snyder's bat fleck. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think there's only so much reinvention you can do. I think we all need a break. It's like, I hate to, I hate to make this like analogy, but it's like, you know, when Taylor Swift kept dropping, like, you know, album back to back with uh, album and we were just all kind of tired of her and then she went away and then she came back with this awesome folk album. Like, I think that, (laughs) I think that's the trajectory. We need
1: need folk Batman.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, honestly, I think, I think Batman needs to go away and think about his life for a little bit. (laughs) Um. And, uh, and then, and write a lovely folk album, but no, no, yeah, that's, that's kind of how I feel right now. It's just, you know, no, I don't want to, I don't want to dig on Robert Pattinson the same way everybody else. Yeah. Is. Yeah.
1: I never want to crap on, on someone taking on the role cause it's yeah, a tough role to take it's a on tough role.
0: and he's trying his best and everybody that's working on that, that movie is trying their best to, you know reposition and reinvigorate Batman's fan base but like it's just
1: and I will say, too many
0: Batman right yeah, now. Yeah
1: that's true and I will say the the first like the greatest Batman um, Michael Keaton uh, was known just as a comedic actor and the the problem is everyone pulls it out every single time there's a new Batman now so it's always uh, so it's kind of like losing its power but people do note that when when Michael Keaton was Batman. Uh, there was a lot of like Mr. Mom's gonna be Batman. Like there was a lot of a lot of how could he be Batman? And he ended up being the greatest Batman. And I know a lot of people like Christian Bale. I have serious thoughts on why, on specifically why Michael Keaton is the best Batman. Um, and but that's like you said, for another podcast.
0: So I also, you know, before we get into the trailer for for the Batman, um, I just wanted to interject something. So you and I we went out recently, you know, and you know to some mid-afternoon, you know, food and um our waiter was a fellow geek which was so awesome and you know definitely geeked out with us and we're talking about a bunch of different things and he was the like so super psyched about the batman and we talked about the batman trailer and something clicked for me when he was talking about his favorite scenes from the trailer and he was describing um that scene where um robert pattinson's batman like basically beats up that like mob of guys with their faces painted? Yes. And so he was like, yeah, and like that, you know, so it looked like such a rad fight scene and he's like and and I think that's what it is. Is, is if you're going to reinvent Batman and if you're going to reintroduce Batman, I think we've had our fill of violent action Batman.
1: Yeah. I think we yeah. had
0: we had some really epic great ones. Again, Christian Bale's Batman was, you know, a a Incredible, you know, violent action Batman, and I think mm-hmm. Batfleck was also—he
1: was a very violent Batman. Yeah,
0: he was a very, very violent Batman. I think,
1: yeah, I think he's the world's greatest detective, yes. and he hasn't been doing a lot of detecting in the movies. 100%. That he's done. hundred percent.
0: I think we've or at least lost. We
1: haven't. He hasn't. We haven't been shown him doing his world's greatest detective work. I
0: think we've lost sight of Batman's Batman's intellect. I yes. think it, it's become. He's become something else.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: um and and I kind of if you were gonna give me a new Batman a new iteration of Batman and if you're gonna honestly, I think Robert Pattinson, you know, again, you put Twilight aside. He does have an amazing repertoire of films that he's done since then. and he actually is a, a really dynamic um and and just good actor. And I think yeah. if you were gonna reintroduce, Batman to me. I would want a more thoughtful Batman, and I would want a detective, and I would buy that. I honestly would buy that, yeah. and I don't want to see Robert Pattinson beating people up in I the think, same vein as as Christian Bale, because you're never going to do it as good as Christian Bale. Yeah,
1: I think I think any writer on any future Batman movie would do well to look at the most popular Batman depiction in any In I would say just about any medium outside of the comics is Batman the Animated Series. Everyone universally loves, loves, loves Batman the Animated Series and Kevin Conroy for his voice work on that show. And you've got to look at the stories in Batman the Animated Series. It was very, very mystery heavy, very, very, you know, figuring out, what was going on. Uh, it was a lot of Batman observing things and like, you know, and even, even the 1989 Batman, Michael Keaton's Batman, there were a lot of very quiet, still scenes in the Batcave cave of him at the back computer, figuring things out. Like that is like, go back to the, like what Batman's based on, which is the pulp detective novels from the thirties. Like go back to that, like look at that and pull that out. And put it on the screen, you know, like that I think would play really well. If you made a Batman movie, that's more of a mystery movie than like a fighting movie. And maybe, maybe they showed us uh, most of the fighting that's in the movie in the trailer. I don't know, but give us something more like we've had so much gritty Batman. I think we've gone really far down the gritty lane and not enough in the superhero lane. I think it's imbalanced right now. and that. I think that goes, you know, I think that goes exactly to what you're saying.
0: Yeah. Um, but I will say the one thing I am super excited about is I am such a big Zoe Kravitz fan. I am so excited. So full disclosure, I used to work in PR and I, I did have to manage celebrities at events a lot because of that job. And Zoe Kravitz was one of my assignments and she is just a lovely, lovely human. um, and she is gorgeous, first of all. Um, I just can't yes. stop looking at her. Um, she's the reason why I watched High Fidelity on, I think, Amazon Prime or Hulu or wherever I uh, watched yeah, it. On, on I didn't Hulu. even like High Fidelity the movie. I'm a
1: big High Fidelity fan.
0: I only watched it because that's how much I love Zoe Kravitz. So I'm so excited to see her. I thought
1: she was a really good Rob. It was It was really good.
0: It was it it was so good. But she's she's great. I'm a fan. I when I first found out she was um being cast as, as Catwoman, I I think that renewed my enthusiasm for for this movie. So it's not like I won't see this movie. I I, I can't not see this movie as a Batman super fan. I mean, my cat is named Batman, so <laughs> so like I can't not see this movie. But I do think that Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman is one of the th- and one of the things I look forward to. And and you know I yeah that's that's basically it.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing her. Uh, And and in terms of the storyline, a lot's been made of the fact that Zoe Kravitz read Batman Year One to prep for her role. But I think so just from seeing the description of the movie and seeing the trailer and being as familiar with with Year One, it was uh, it was a comic that I read a lot when I was when I was younger. Um, And uh, it's I think she did it more to kind of inform her character and not really to inform. Like not really as a, this is the plot of the movie Um, for, I mean, we've already seen Batman year one. Uh, It's, it's by Frank Miller, one of his highly influential Batman stories, but most of like maybe 90% of year one is shown in Batman begins. Like that was Batman year one. If you want to see Batman, if you, if you don't want to read Batman year one and you want to watch it, watch Batman begins take out the ross all ghoul stuff that's batman year one um and we also know that this is batman's second year in operation and there is a year two comic but that is more a, a continuation of the of the year one story so i don't think any of those of those stories are going to be the basis for for the plot of this movie but we do see early catwoman and her kind of early uh inspiration to become Catwoman. And, and so I think that is, cause it's, it's tough to get really early, really interesting Bat, uh, Catwoman and Batman interplay kind of, uh, it, like their lives intersecting, but not completely meshing like in hush. Uh, so I think that's where she's, where she's getting that from, but we do know that the penguin and the Riddler are going to be in this. Uh, Paul Dano is, is the Riddler. And uh, uh, Colin Farrell is unrecognizable as the Penguin.
0: Oh, yeah, that was that was a a pretty big deal. I think when everyone saw the trailer the first time, we all had to rewatch it because we were like, wait, Colin Farrell was in this.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Yeah, it was very interesting. But uh, but yeah, it's a it's apparently at a point in his career when he still doesn't like being called Penguin. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting. We don't totally know what's going on. We do know that you know as as Oswald Cobblepot is want to do, he's running for mayor. Um but uh but yeah, so those are all the clues we got from the from the trailer. There is also uh the card that uh that the Riddler leaves at this dead guy's body and it had like a cipher on the bottom and if you don't want to know what the cipher is, you have five seconds to hit, skip. skip or earmuffs or something. Uh, but basically, uh, on, on the card in plain English, it says, uh, what does the liar do when dead? And then there's a cipher, someone decoded it and it's in, it says he lies still little, little wordplay. Uh-huh. He's still a liar and he's not moving. So, um so yeah so that's so we know that like this guy is some sort of maybe a corrupt corrupt police officer corrupt official but uh but yeah that's most of what we got from the trailer so I'm sure there'll be another trailer, and then another trailer after that, and the final trailer, and then we'll see the movie, and then we'll see most of the movie from the trailers, because that's what they keep doing, which is annoying. (laughs) I would like it if this was the only trailer we got, and you just get to see the movie.
0: Let's talk about probably the most epic moment of DC fandom. I, I, I think even more so than the Batman was the Justice League Snyder cut trailer so this was pretty epic there's a
1: lot going on here
0: yeah it was a it's a positive sign that dc is listening to its fans we got a trailer at dc fandom for the snyder cut of the justice league movie it looks amazing there is no release date yet but hbo is planning on airing it in four hour long installments but the full movie will yes, be available so to, coming to watch out next year
1: date. it's not coming out until at least january yeah so don't don't hope don't hope for a bright spot in 2020. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, I think the interesting thing is that watching this trailer, it was it so much looked familiar to me that I went back and checked. It is mostly the original trailer for the Justice League before Joss Whedon took over, and it's it's funny because there's a lot of a lot of the scenes that were in the original trailer for Justice League weren't in the movie are now in this trailer. So we got, like, a lot of, like, maybe, like it, you know, it implies that we're actually going to get to see a bunch of these scenes. But then it did also add scenes, like finally getting to see Superman in the black suit after being resurrected. Um, I have some feelings on the whole death and resurrection of Superman storyline, but that is for another podcast. That, that should be the tagline of our show. The,
0: that's, that's for, for another, another, another podcast. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I agree.
1: So... I'm gonna take a little bit of a contrarian view on this. I feel like it so it feels very end game, but without the buildup of twenty two movies before end game to make it really impactful, you know, um, because it's like we we met Superman in Man of Steel. Then we didn't see him again until Batman v Superman. and then. In Justice League, he, you know, he's resurrected and it's like, we're supposed to care because he's Superman and everyone loves Superman. Uh, and it just, it didn't build up the emotional resonance. Uh, and so I feel like it feels like, like the criticism that people gave for some parts of Endgame that it was a lot of fan service, that it was a lot of for people who've been knee deep, knee deep in the comics for years. I feel like this very much feels like that. Um, it looks interesting, but I can't get over the fact that DC has a knack for making great trailers, but then movies that are barely more than the trailer that we saw. And so I've, I've been, I've been hurt too much, you know, I've been burned too many times. So the jury is very much out on this. Um, I, I want to, I want to. Get excited for it. I want to get behind it, but I want to, I got to protect my heart. You know what I'm saying? But this can all be fixed by the new Flash movie.
0: So if you've been keeping track of all of the drama around the Flash, I think the biggest Flash related thing to come out of DC fandom is just validation that it's happening. Uh,
1: Sometime in our lifetimes.
0: Yes, sometime in our lifetime. Uh, So Ezra Miller teased concept art for the new and improved costume. We've got screenwriter Christina Hodson saying that the cinematic multiverse is going to be born out of this movie that's very... It's a very loaded uh, Bold statement. Bold statement. Yeah, which is definitely exciting. Um, now, filming has not yet started on The Flash, so I'm still skeptical for anybody keeping track. But they do expect those cameras to start rolling in 2021.
1: So- just just for for context, this is a movie that was originally slated to come out in 2018.
0: <laughs> Great. Um. so who knows but break it down for us uh, what do we have to look forward to in terms of the new Flash movie
1: okay so the costume and the comments around it Uh, this is going to be Flashpoint this is going to be a Flashpoint storyline which not how I would introduce the Flash I mean he's kind of already been introduced not how I would introduce his standalone but it will do a lot to right away fix a lot of the issues with the dc universe um i mean all the complaints about the dceu like the flash gets to gets to run through the multiverse and and you can you could see dc really priming people for flashpoint with like right after like they pulled everyone in their first panel was wonder woman and then right after that was jim lee talk about the multiverse and like, and just a whole panel about like multiverse one Oh one, uh, which, you know, if you're, if you're a hardcore DC fan, you know, the ins and outs of the multiverse, you know, you know, all the crises and, and all that. Uh, but if you're not, if you're a casual fan who watches the TV shows, watches the movies, you might've been introduced to the multiverse and specifically to things like flashpoint and crisis from the WB shows. From CW, the CW. Yeah. Oh man, that's a throwback. The WB. <laughs> it did used to be the WB. It did.
0: It did. You're not wrong. Oof. Um. You're just like anyway, twenty C- years behind.
1: I miss that frog. What can I say? <laughs> um, the CW shows. Um, and so and so, if you haven't been watching those and you just watched the movies, then you really need a primer for this. And I think DC fandom was built to partially kind of build people up for a multiverse and a flashpoint. Uh, so it's it's something that, you know, you can just like say, "Oh, well, all those movies like Suicide Squad and Batman v Superman and Man of Steel and all that, that happened on Earth 23." You know, don't worry about that. Here's the real Earth one. Because if you think about it, to everybody, their Earth is Earth one. It's not until they come in contact with like someone who's like, "No, no, no, I'm Earth one, you're Earth 2." That they then have to decide. All right, fine. We're Earth Two. Um, and so far, Grant Gustin and Stephen Amell's universe
0: is, Earth is one.
1: technically is Earth One. Yeah. Especially since Ezra Miller showed up in oh, Crisis. I, love,
0: I freaking that was a love great that. Scene.
1: And it was so interesting that um, there there was a little a little tidbit from from the panel that I know you loved was um, was that how that came together.
0: Oh, yeah, that um, basically, like, that entire scene was mostly improv, Um, so... Which
1: is great, because it was a hilarious scene.
0: It was so good, and I I guess that's why it was so effective, and why the actors looked, you know, as awkward as they should have felt when you're kind of facing your, not necessarily doppelganger, (laughs) but, like, Mm -hmm. just another version of you. Um, But, like, I love how Grant Gustin gives Ezra Miller the the Flash name, like, cause he goes, oh yeah, he goes, wait, you're the Flash. And he's like, whoa, the Flash. Like, he's like, that's a great name. Yeah. So I think that that's such a, such an amazing like passing nice... of the Olympic torch yeah. over there. Yeah. And a
1: nice little recognition that Grant's Flash came first.
0: Yeah. I, I really and did I do a love lot that.
1: for the DC universe. Like Flash and Arrow really carried the DC universe what... for the last decade
0: what people say about tom holland when he stepped into the role of spider-man and how right that felt and how it it seemed like tom holland was destined to play spider-man this whole time even stan lee said it himself i think that's what grant gustin did for the flash oh
1: very much i Thank think very much
0: before we had a concept of like physics i mean there have been flash has been live action before grant gustin in, in the form of john wesley Shipp who plays Multiple characters in the in the CW Flash, mm-hmm. um, but like I think when when that first episode aired, when Grant Gustin got into that suit for the first time,
1: well, even before that, when he when he was a guest star on
0: oh and on yes Arrow, on Arrow, and he,
1: they just said he was Barry Allen, it was like oh this that's some feel right about this, yeah
0: that's it's like he like came right off the page, yeah. like it's he jumped straight from the comics into real life, and that was. Grant Gustin, like I said, did for The Flash what Tom Holland did for, for oh, Spider-Man. Oh, very much so. Very it's much just, so. It's just such a great interpretation of a beloved character.
1: So if you haven't read the comics or watched the CW uh, Flashpoint storyline, uh, essentially what what happens is Barry goes back in time to try to save his mother's life and also prevent his father from being falsely accused of her murder. And as with time travel, messes up the timeline. And so he has to, you know, learn about the multiverse and fix things. Uh, So it's been reported that we'll see Batfleck one more time. It's implied that it'll be a proper goodbye to his Batman. Uh, We might see Robert Pattinson's Batman. And there is a lot of noise that we'll get to see the greatest actor to ever wear the cowl on screen, Michael Keaton. Uh, His universe is in his place in the multiverse has actually been established as Earth 89 in in the CW show during the crisis timeline um, where we see out, you know, Robert Wool's character, Alexander Knox, sitting on a bench and we see crisis happening in that universe. Um, And his planet, his the whole multiverse got annihilated in in the CW crisis. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting uh, to see this how they balance this uh but i mean the multiverse has been destroyed and recreated so many times uh i don't think they'll have a problem figuring that out uh there's a a lot of potential to fix stuff up uh you can replace batman uh which is most likely to happen and you could replace superman if needed um but then also keep them like more popular characters like wonder woman and aquaman um cyborg who knows? Maybe he'll become part of the Teen Titans again. No, uh, that was uh, that's that's one of those things that uh, I know. I, I remember post Infinite Crisis, he he came up to the big leagues and became part of the Justice League. But you know, it's just hard to shake him as part of
0: the Teen Titans. Part of the Teen Titans. Um,
1: but yeah, so we could see we could see a lot. Uh, And it also will give space for, uh, I mean, DC could even brand like movies as multiverse movies, like as Elseworlds movies. Um, Robert Pattinson, I could see that being an Elseworlds movie, like a kind of one off uh, or maybe like a couple things in a contained universe that's not part of the main storyline. It would take a little for fans to get used to, like casual fans to get used to. A comic but book fan. I, I yeah. I mean, comic fan. We're ready for it. Yeah. We're here for it. I mean, <laughs> please. If you're if you're into DC comics enough to know about the multiverse, you're already you're already like, all right. Where's Lord Havoc and the extremists? Let's do this. Let's yeah. let's see everybody. But um, but yeah. So that is that is what we can expect from the Flash movie. Yes, the
0: DC fandom was definitely eventful. Um, It was probably more eventful than any convention, dare I say, Mm -hmm. Um, virtual, uh, at least uh, in 2020. So that's where, you know, tons of news broke. We got tons of first looks, new trailers, teasers. Uh, So it was definitely a huge moment so before we sign off just wanted to you know give a shout out to some of the other topics that that we didn't get to discuss on this podcast but you are absolutely 100% welcome to discuss with us on social um reach out to us, chat with us, geek out with us, but we did see a new trailer for the new Doom Patrol TV show. I know there's a lot of fans of the Doom Patrol TV show yeah, out there. Yeah, we didn't
1: get to get everything in this podcast. We might do we might do another one with like the video games and Doom Patrol, yeah. but but we're happy to talk about it on on social if you want.
0: Gotham Knights video game, it looks awesome. Uh, The Suicide Squad video game looks so awesome that I um, often, you know, as we were discussing the topics that we were discussing in this podcast, I I often confused the trailer for the for the the movie, with they did the, a really
1: good job with uh, with Harley, especially. Yeah, it was the like trailer for the
0: video game. Um, I was like, wait, but what about that part where like they fight Superman? And I'm like, wait, that's not this movie. Um, that was a that was a video game. So that that looked really awesome. And then also something, um, that's exciting for me, and I would love to geek out with you guys about is uh the. The Sandman TV show, Neil Gaiman Sandman. So yeah, definitely feel free to reach out to us. We, there's definitely a lot to talk about uh, coming out of DC fandom and just all things DC that's going on right now. It looks like uh, Marvel's kind of taken a little hiatus and yeah, yeah, a little bit. Of a break. It, it's well deserved. I mean, they gave us Endgame, which is probably the greatest gift to all geeks. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know it. it like the most epic amazing thing that has ever happened to us so so they are you know totally fine to just chill out um but it does look like dc is stepping up their game and there's a lot to be excited about so definitely get excited with us
1: yeah i'm um, i i mean i know i know i'm i some of the things i'm cautiously excited about but i am i am excited
0: thanks for listening remember to subscribe rate and review wherever you get your podcast. Check us out on Twitter at geekprimex, all one word, Instagram at geek.prime on Facebook and YouTube, and read features and articles anytime at geek-prime.com.